0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Centre podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. Gentlemen, that is your warning. That's your heads up. Go order those flowers. Go get the gift ready. Let's celebrate our mums, the women, in our life. Well, this morning I, finish, uh, I get to finish the last episode or s- a part of our series Uh, tales of old, we've been looking at some of the heroes of our faith and uh, just hearing about this story, and hopefully it's been challenging us and encouraging us in our own faith this morning. So good to see you all here this morning. Have you ever thought about uh, how amazing it is that God chose you? If you're here and you've received the grace of God, that actually He saw you and said, yes, I'm going to do something amazing in your life. Now when you look through the Bible, there are a whole lot of stories like that. But there's one story in particular that I think is just incredible, and that's the story of Rahab, the story of Rahab. And we're going to look at the the life and the story of Rahab this morning. And we we first meet her in the story of Joshua. So in the book of Joshua, we we read about Rahab. Then she's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. James refers to her, and she even makes it into the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. What's interesting, the book of Joshua, named after Joshua, Joshua doesn't make it into that hall of faith. And Rahab is mentioned multiple times throughout the Bible. So let's look at Rahab this morning, an unlikely hero, certainly within the culture of the day. And I want to share a message I've I've entitled, From Sin to Surrender, or it could also be From Failure to Faith. Let's read it together from Joshua chapter 2 verse 1, and I'm not swearing when we get to this first word, just in case you're checking. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light to our path. Thank you when we build our life on the foundation of your word, you will never fail, and we will never fail. Father, thank you for the story of grace of Rahab. God, I pray for every heart and mind today. Lord, every single person that would find themselves under the voice of condemnation and guilt, that they would hear the cry of grace that says, I love you, I accept you, I forgive you. Lord, may our hearts respond to your word today, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the story because the the richness of God's grace and mercy flows through the story. We read later in the story that that with a scarlet rope, the men escape out of the city. That scarlet rope speaks of the symbolism of the, the blood of the lamb that goes right through the lineage of grace. The very fact that Rahab, a prostitute, is a part of the lineage of grace, that Jesus comes effectively out of Rahab. That is an incredible story. But you know, that scarlet thread goes back, when you think about it, back to the Passover. When you see the the angel of death was about to pass over the houses of the Israelites and the Egyptians, God says, if if you would cover your doorposts with the blood of the lamb, the scarlet thread, you too will be saved. There was a promise of safety that was given to Rahab if she would believe if she would be prepared to put her trust and her faith in God. There's three things I want to look at today from Rahab's story that I hope will bring hope for each of us, that our faith will step up to another level, that our faith muscles might grow a little today. Here's my first thought this morning. Our sin does not escape the judgment of God. It's like, well, hold on, that doesn't sound very positive. But we can't truly understand grace and until we understand what we need grace for. I, I, I am a little worried about the feeling in today's society that says God is all about love. God is all about acceptance. And let's just go straight to the grace part. And we skip over the thing called sin. Sin is destructive. It destroys everything it touches. You and I, born into sin, Sin is a big deal. It is such a big deal that our Lord and Savior had to go to the cross for it. So we have to be aware of sin. We have to acknowledge it. We have to recognize that we have all sinned. We are like sheep have gone astray. There is not a single person righteous, not me. I hold nothing of value that could get me into heaven, that could help me receive the forgiveness of God. all I can do is surrender my life to Him. And acknowledge my sin, confess it, and receive that incredible grace. See, when God brought the people out of Egypt into the promised land, part of the taking of the promised land was to eradicate sin. And Jericho represented a stronghold of pride, a proud city. Our walls are big and strong. You can't get through us. Isn't that us? Isn't that us that says, God, I've built this on my own. I've, I've built my own little kingdom. I've, I've, I've done such a great job at everything I've done. Look at me. And God says, yeah, that's got to come down too. Humble ourselves before God, we're told. We, we, we have to humble ourselves so that God wouldn't humble us. And if we would do it first, if we would do it with obedience, with that conviction of our sin. God extends his grace to us. And the trouble is, we become so much like the world. There's a story in Genesis where where Abraham and Lot, the the, the dividing land, and and Lot goes and camps. He chooses to camp down by Sodom and Gomorrah. And he camps outside, but you come back to the story and you find him now sitting at the gates. See, we we get close to sin. We we, we kind of camp on the edge of sin and 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 we go, it won't affect me. It won't touch me. It does. It reaches out and grabs us. We need to have that heart of Joseph in the Old Testament that says, I could fall into sin with this woman. I will run. Run, flee from sin. That should be our response. When we see sin, when we're aware of sin, don't don't see how close we can get to it. Don't see how close we can get and, and resist it. Resist it. Get out of the way of it. As much as we can, sin will destroy us. There is one cure, but one cure, King Jesus. We've been worshiping him this morning. We have been celebrating him this morning. We've been lifting his name in this place because he is the king worthy to be celebrated. We pray for King Charles. I pray that he would have an encounter with God truly that he would bow his knee as the king that would rule over many, that he would bow his knee to the king of all kings. We must pray for him. Pray for his leadership. Pray that he would encounter Jesus. Your king Jesus has all power, all authority, all sovereignty. And I was thinking about this morning, if I don't bow my knee to Jesus, I will bow to sin. Bob Dylan, he kind of summed it up. We're all going to serve somebody, right? We're all going to serve somebody. Who will we serve? will we serve King Jesus or will we serve sin? Here's the truth. Rahab was in line to experience the judgment of God. She, like all of Jericho, was about to experience the judgment of God. The two thieves on the cross on either side of Jesus, they, they were about to experience the judgment of God. It's appointed to man that each will, will live and die and then face judgment. Every single one of us will face judgment for the way we've lived our lives, how we have responded to Christ. Two thieves, two responses. One mocks Jesus. One mocks our King, our Lord, and the other says, remember me. And Jesus says, today, today, when you breathe your last breath, you will be in paradise with me. Sin is a big deal. We struggle, I think, with what well, we want. We, we, we love the God that loves, right? Because we're all about love, love and acceptance. We struggle with the God of justice. But you can't have love without justice and justice without love. They, they have to hold this tension of love and justice. I love my kids. Not anywhere close to them, the way that God loves you and I but I love my kids enough. I saw them in a place where their lives were in danger, where the the harm could come to them. I would do whatever it takes to shove them out of the way of that car, even to a a small injury, so I could save them. How much more so would God give His only Son to a world that He loves, that we wouldn't perish, that He would take on that pain, I would give my life for my kids. That's what God did for us. He gave himself for us. And that's our Father. So we won't escape the judgment of sin. That's all the bad news out of the way, okay? (laughs) But it's important we hear it. Because here's my second really encouraging thing this morning. No one's too far gone. It's possible that someone sitting here today going, "Ah." God would not want a thing to do with me. Can I tell you? He does. <laughs> he so wants to know you. In fact, He does know you. He, he, the God doesn't even know me. He knows you. He made you. He created you. He put purpose inside of you, and you might just not be fulfilling it right now because you haven't yet surrendered to Him, but today you can. Today you can bow your knee to a king who also then releases his kids to go and make a difference in the kingdom. No one's too far gone. Rahab's story is important for us because it it gives us insight into the nature of God. Also speaks to the change that can take place in our lives. She was called a prostitute by her community because that's what she had been. Imagine living as an outcast in a society where everyone knows your name and what you do and it's not a plumber or an electrician. In fact, the the text, even the text itself, lists her shame before her name. You know, imagine that. Rahab would have been shunned by her own community, you know, rejected, until, of course, they wanted their lustful needs satisfied. That's the life that she lived. That's the abuse she would have experienced. Imagine even when she tried to change her ways. Maybe people would say, well, you'll always be. You'll always be there. And maybe someone here today, is, you've heard that, and maybe you've even believed that about yourself. This is just who I am, and this is what my life is always going to be. So, so why would I bother trying to come to Christ? Why would I bother trying to change? Well, well, we can't change on our own, but with God's help, we can. Because no one is too far gone, not a single one of us. And for a woman who had no husband, the ancient world didn't offer many alternatives. Not many options going for Rahab. And if in writing the story after Rahab had followed God, why why did God still choose to record her as Rahab the prostitute, not Rahab the believer? Why, Why is it that that was still left in there? Was it because in that lineage of grace, God still leaves a reminder of what he can do in us and through us. See, I don't think that title held anything on her anymore. Yes, it might have been a scar, but I don't think that would have held the pain that it did before. There was healing. It's okay to wear the scars of our past, but there's a moment where those scars will be healed and the pain The scar might still be there, but the pain is gone because we've been healed by our loving God. Three things that were against uh, Rahab. Number one, she was a Canaanite and not a Jew. Another way of saying this is she was a heathen foreigner who would be ostracized by the Jewish community just simply because she was considered unclean. Because her act of befriending the spies She and her extended family ended up becoming a part of the nation of Israel. How incredible is that? Second thing against her, she was a woman. Now, I hate to say this, but there were prayers that were prayed by Jewish men. I'm so glad that I wasn't born a woman. And and, and for, for centuries, women have been fighting for the right to have their significance and to lead and the fight gets out of control because it's fighting for the wrong thing. But every man, every woman, every child holds value in God's eyes. Male, female, hold power and authority given by God, by His design. When we walk in unity and we walk in mutual submission, husbands and wives, what a team. Women would submit to their husbands Men would lay down their lives for their wife. How glorious is that, as Christ laid down his life for the church? Have you ever been, uh, oh, the the third third part, the third strike against her is she was a prostitute, obviously. Let's assume it doesn't bother us that God wanted to include Canaanites. Yep, part of his redemptive plan. Let's, Let's assume that God was in favor of woman, which we know he is. But a prostitute? Of all of the ones that he could have chosen, he he says, I'm gonna lay my grace upon Rahab. All these strikes against her. The amazing thing here is God uses her to fulfill his greater purpose. Rahab's got a lot going against her. Written off. Have you ever been written off by someone before? Have you ever maybe written somebody else before? written somebody else, else off before, before you really got to know them. A dear friend of mine, I, I heard about him before I knew him. So his story had come to me through, through various conversations I'd had with other people. And so I thought I knew this person based on the story I'd heard about them. Never didn't know his face. I, I knew his name but, and I knew his reputation, but I didn't know him. And then I had the pleasure of meeting him. I got to know him. I, went, oh, I like this guy. And yeah, maybe part of the reputation is true. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I want to get to know him better. Now, I didn't hold that against him. In fact, our friendship has grown from strength to strength as we've gone through the conversation. But, but I could have written him off before I even knew him. And that's what we do sometimes. That's, that, that's the nature of humanity. We, we look at somebody who maybe is despised compared to us, and we go, I'm just going to put myself in a slightly more elevated position than them. And in other words, I've done better than them. I can, whew, look at me. Look at what I've achieved. What creeps in? You got it. Pride. Rather than us reaching out to the lonely, to the broken, to the destitute, saying, I've experienced God's grace, let me help you experience that too. That's how we should live our lives, that's how we should extend the grace that's been given to us to others. I'm so glad I got to know my friend. I don't have to listen to what other people say, I get to know who he is, because I've got to know him. That's what God wants to do with you. You see, the devil wants to pitch a couple of headlines above us, right? Come on, what's your title? What have you been branded? Easy? Been branded? Loser? Cheater? Failed business person? What's what's the brand? What's, What's the title that people have spoken that the devil wants to keep reinforcing even when we come to faith? It's to remind us of our past. Come on, when he reminds us of our past, let's just remind him of his future. He's holding on to everything he can, which is to try and drag every single one of us down into the pit of hell. And yet Jesus says, yes, that might have been your past, Rahab, but I'm going to choose you to bring forth my Savior. Come on, there is a a future for us that is not dependent on our past. The greatest lesson, I think, that jumps off the pages of Joshua 2 is God is no respecter of persons. Why else would he give so much space in in the narrative of the the Jewish people for this woman, Rahab? You know, many other passages, people weren't even named. Significant people weren't even named. But Rahab gets mentioned and then re-mentioned throughout the Word. It's just a reminder of how much God loves us. And that our failures aren't final. It's not the end result for us. But God, in His grace and His mercy, extends that forgiveness to anyone who would surrender their hearts to Him. So easy to be a follower of Jesus and to look at someone else and quickly judge them. But I believe God is is wanting us to lean into His supernatural grace, to receive His supernatural grace, one for ourselves that we would recognize that we have been forgiven. But number two, that we would extend that grace to others. God, who's that person that in your heart, maybe you've judged, maybe you've despised, maybe you just kind of thought lowly of them. Even right now, Holy Spirit is just quickening somebody to some of us. I haven't treated them right. I haven't treated them with the respect that I should. Would this week, would you do something? Would you recognize their humanity? Would you recognize their value and worth and speak life over them? Find one thing you can say that you could speak over them. So I just love and appreciate this about you. You watch things shift in their life as you declare hope over their future, rather than just confirming what they already believe about themselves because of the lies of the enemy. Come on, let's speak people that speak life. Out of our mouth comes life or death. What am I going to speak this week? But it's also our thoughts too and our heart. That's the stuff no one else can measure. No one else sees what's going on in in here, right? You'll hear the words that come out of my mouth, but, but what's going on in here? Could we connect our head and our heart to God's love for people and for us? We make a recommitment to give people the benefit of the doubt because no one is too far gone. As the team joined me this morning, my last thought, God is in the business of new beginnings. God is in the business of new beginnings, new creations. That's what he does best. Dallas Willard, he says this, one of the amazing things about the human being is that it is capable of restoration and indeed of a restoration that makes it somehow more magnificent because it has been ruined. You like that? More magnificent because of its failure and its brokenness. But isn't that true? When you hear somebody's story, You go, wow, where have you come from? How amazing is God the way you've lived your life? For all of us here today, it's great news. I love Paul. Paul in the Bible who thought he was doing God a favor by killing all the Christians. (laughs) Thinking he was doing the will of God. Persecuting Christians. Throwing them in prison. Then he meets Jesus, to which he answers, he asks the question, who are you, Lord? He hadn't met his Savior yet, but then he surrenders. He repents. He turns from his old way. And out of that revelation, out of that lived life, this is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, or do you not know? The wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. There's a deception in this world that says we're good enough. We're not. We are not good enough. Neither the sexually or moral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. That is what some of us are. Were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified, just as if I'd never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Come on, that is worth celebrating, because that was me. That was you. But by the grace of God, we stand. And many of us are tempted to give up on ourselves or those around us. Our lives take dangerous turns, and we turn from God. Some of us, our self-esteem has taken such a beating. We think we could never be worthy of God. Some of us have been unemployed for longer than we could ever thought we would have imagined. Some of us, our finances are in such a mess. Some, it feels like your family's just like completely out of control. Will my kids ever come home? You know, there's a sense of failure. And even you walk in, in today go, God couldn't love me. Then there's some of us who we're actually not just dabbling in sin, we've stepped right in guilt and the condemnation and the shame and everything that's attached to that. What do I do with that? It's very simple, actually. Surrender. You bow your knee to Jesus. Bow your knee to the King of kings. He is the only one that will break that cycle of sin in your life. And for some of us today, we must bow our knee to Christ because He brings freedom. He brings breakthrough. We can't manufacture anything. But when we come from a place of sin to surrender, he does what only he can do. For all of us, the story of Rahab is powerful, good news. 2 Corinthians 5 17. I think one of the greatest verses in the Bible. the power of this verse. Therefore, if anyone. So let's just see how many are included in that. Anyone. That's all of us. So every single one of us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Not a better version. Not an upgrade. Not a slightly better than before, but a, a new creation. Old is gone. Come on. And some of us, we're sitting in the old today. But in a moment, it's going to be new. If a thief on the cross can go from this place of guilt, condemnation, judgment, execution, to saying to Jesus, if I was on the ground now, I would bow my knee to you because I know you are king day, could you, would you, bow your knee to Jesus? As Jaden said, for some of us, maybe we haven't done that for some time. I wonder if you can, if you're able, right now in this moment, maybe you felt it earlier that you wanted to kneel, but you didn't. Here's another invitation, right where you are, if you can, Would you bow your knee? If you can't, if your body can't handle that, where your posture is, would you bow your knee to your King? Would you give Him your worship, your adoration? Would you thank Him for His grace that was poured out? And in this place, friends, if you have never received the joy of salvation through Christ, where you've surrendered your life to Him, where you've asked for Him to forgive your sins and make you new, today I want to give that invitation for you to pray a simple prayer with me, a prayer to ask Jesus to forgive us, that our sins would not be held against us, that we would acknowledge He is Lord, He is King, that we would bow to Him and only to Him, that He would forgive us of our past, Forgiveness today, and a hope for our future. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me right now? In your heart or out loud with hundreds of others that have prayed this prayer at one point in their life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you show grace to me, even when I didn't deserve it. Please forgive me for living life my own way. I acknowledge I have sinned by rejecting you. Today, I turn. I repent. I ask you to be Lord of my life. And by your grace, forgive my sins so that I would be right with you and with your Father. Thank you for this gift of salvation. I receive it today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz. Christian